0: A few minutes of your time to ask God and to trust that from His Word we'll be convicted about the importance of the Holy Spirit Amen. and some things we can do to stir Him up in our lives, to be more active in our lives, marriages, families, church, and as far as the Lord wants to take it. At break time, several were talking, and we remembered the effect that the Spirit of God had in Joseph. In Joseph's life, when Joseph stood before Pharaoh, he could have remembered that he was a slave. He could have remembered he was a slave falsely charged with rape in prison. He could have remembered he was a slave falsely charged with rape in prison for an extra two years because the butler forgot to tell Pharaoh about him. So when he's called before Pharaoh to interpret his dream... He could have remembered those things, despised Pharaoh, given a wrong interpretation, or given a correct interpretation, and grinned at the end that they were going to have seven years of famine that would destroy their nation because he knew they were too dumb to get through, to take the seven years of plenty and survive the seven years of famine. But he didn't he respectfully and kindly and humbly explained to Pharaoh about his dream. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. Now, Pharaoh didn't know who the Spirit of God was, but he knew that Joseph was so different, there's no one among you magicians And there's no one graduating from our good business schools with political science degrees that can match this man because he has a spirit in him that has to be from God. They saw that about Joseph. The spirit of God can change and should change your life. How about a a man in the New Testament named Stephen? Stephen preaches in Acts chapter 7. But before we get to Acts chapter 7, when Stephen was charged with crimes, he could defend himself and no one could answer him. And his face was shining because the Lord was with him. God, through Jesus Christ, had promised the apostles that when you're hauled before magistrates and you have to testify, don't you worry the night before or a moment before about what you're going to say. You won't need three by five cards or notes. Because I'll give you the words to speak in those times. And the Lord did. And the Lord took care of Stephen. And it was visible that the Holy Spirit was with him. We want the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It changes life. But there is a danger of us losing him. Look at Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. For those of you that know your Bibles, you know what Genesis chapter 6 is about. It's about the flood. Why are we turning to a chapter in the Bible about Noah's flood when we're studying the Holy Spirit and the danger of losing him? Or let's make it more severe. The danger of him becoming your enemy. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said... My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in hundred and twenty years. My spirit shall not always strive with man. How long has God's spirit been striving with you through the preaching of his word and you have not paid full attention to it and changed your life To match up to the standard of God's word. Who was the preacher in Genesis chapter 6? Noah. Noah Was a preacher of righteousness. You can read about him in Hebrews chapter 11. And you can read about him in 1 Peter chapter 3. He was a preacher of righteousness. God's will had been revealed sufficiently. And the Lord tired of striving with man. And he drowned the world with a flood. My spirit shall not always strive with man. The Spirit of God in the church at Thyatira strove there where they had a woman prophetess named Jezebel, at least called Jezebel by the Spirit of God. And the Lord says that he gave her a space of time to repent, but because she did not repent, he would throw her and the children that committed adultery spiritual adultery into a bed and destroy them. My spirit shall not always strive with man. How long have you heard things from God's Word, been convicted, but did nothing about it or did little about it? You did little to stir yourself up in the way of conviction, to do more, to follow the Lord. He will not always strive. You are not worthy of Him always striving. His gifts to us are too great to, for us to be allowed to get away with neglecting them for long. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 2 would tell us. How much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? Hebrews ten twenty six through 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. and. The Lord shall judge His people. These in Genesis 6 included the sons of God that were drowned in the flood. All the sons of God were not on the ark. There were sons of God drowned in the flood. They were the sons of God that married the daughters of men. My spirit shall not always strive with man. He's been striving with the unregenerate and the wicked for 6,000 years. But when it's His people and He blesses them abundantly, there is a time of reckoning. He that being often reproved, I hope you read John 16, He that being often reproved hardeneth His neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Who is the reprover in the world? God the Holy Spirit, he shall reprove the world of sin because they don't believe on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. These verses I give you to cause you to tremble for a few minutes. That God drowned the world with a flood because they strove against his Spirit and he drowned the sons of God as well as the sons and daughters of men. He sent his prophets by his Spirit to the nation of Israel repeatedly. And when they rejected their counsel, when they rejected their preaching, he would bring foreign enemies to destroy their cities, their nation, take their children captive. He did it repeatedly. It's in the book of Judges, it's in the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and, Jer- and Ezekiel. The danger of mistreating the Holy Spirit of God. Remember the case that I gave you that I hope you won't forget. About a man without the Spirit, with the Spirit, without the Spirit, given over to an evil spirit. The life of King Saul. Without the Spirit, he was timid. With the Spirit, he was bold. Without the Spirit, he was murderous. With an evil spirit from the Lord, he ended his life in witchcraft and suicide. That's because he didn't have the Spirit of God, and God sent him an evil spirit instead. That is sober. That is sober. That's what this, The Bible teaches us these things. You can sit there half asleep. You can sit there waiting to go home. It's okay. God will have the last laugh in the matter. Amen. When I say okay, I speak as a fool. It's between you and the Lord. It's not between you and me. All I'm trying to do is represent Him and His Word fairly to your consciences. I'm going to present it as honestly and as correctly as I can and let the Spirit of God make the difference. But I hope you hear these words of warning. You do not play with a gift as great as the Spirit of God. Is there a father in here that understands that if I give my child something very special and they mistreat it repeatedly, I'll take it away? Have you ever thought of doing something like that? Have you thought of doing that several times? Well, how about the gift of the Spirit of God? If you're grieving Him and quenching Him all the time, don't you know that God is going to withdraw that Spirit from you? You don't deserve Him. Withdraw Him from you in the way of fellowship, power, and comforting blessing. The Spirit of God can turn to be your enemy. Hypocrisy is lying to the Holy Ghost. And it cost Ananias and Sapphira their lives. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you know what it says because of that point? Therefore, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are not your own. This is serious business. A serious transaction was paid to adopt you out of the orphanage of this sinful world to make you the sons of God. And if you want to keep acting like you prefer the orphanage over your eternal inheritance, God is going to chasten you for it and He'll withdraw the blessings of His personal presence in your life by His Spirit. There's danger. Lord, keep us from it. We just sang a couple songs about holiness. They were selected because the name of the Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Without holiness, you'll not have the Spirit of God. And the holiness is defined by the Bible and no one else. It's by the Bible. The danger. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Do you know how he strives with us? He's striving right now. Well, why doesn't He just overpower me? Because He wants a little bit of willing activity out of your heart. He wants you to humble yourself before God's Word. He wants you to examine your life and identify those things in your life that are displeasing to Him. And if you were to do that right now and make a conscious choice, that I'm going to clean up my life, I'm going to wash my hands, ye sinners, I'm going to purify my heart, ye double-minded, that God the Holy Spirit would then give you strength to do that, to be the great Christian you ought to be. But if you don't do that, He will not do it for you, and He will eventually turn to be your enemy, and He will be quenched and grieved in your life, and your life will be a mess. You'll be a mess on the inside and you'll be a mess on the outside. You say, well, at least I'll have my quail. Why don't you go read about the quail and what it was like to have all those quail? While it's still between their teeth, the Lord struck them dead. You don't have a freezer big enough. They were scooping it up with, they had, they had bucket loaders. They had cranes, plows, bulldozers. They were heaping it up in piles. The Bible tells us about some of the piles. With their greed, they had all the quail they wanted, but he sent leanness into their souls. But you know, most likely, you're going to be poor and lean, and that's just really ugly. You know, to be rich and lean is one thing. To be rich on the outside and lean in your soul, but it doesn't work either. Those men are miserable. And that's what happens when you do not put the Holy Spirit of God first in your life. What's the condition that we've heard so far? Turn to John 7. I want you to see it with your eyes. It is so simple. It is so simple. But the flesh, the flesh that you have, you have a principle that is as real as the Spirit of God in your body. It is called the flesh. When I say is real, I don't mean as powerful. I don't mean as glorious. I don't mean anything except it's real. What does it say in Galatians chapter 5 about the relationship between the flesh and the spirit? The flesh lusteth against the spirit. Wareth against the spirit. These two are the contrary one to another. You have a part in you that hates the Holy Spirit. When, I, when the Lord led me to this subject... I knew that to stand up and preach on the Holy Spirit was to preach on about the most boring subject that could possibly be selected from the 66 books of God's library. Do you know why? Because if I'm addressing someone in the flesh, this is the worst subject. So I ask you, how exciting is it to hear about the Holy Spirit? Amen. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and guess what? The Spirit lusteth against the flesh. The Spirit loves things that the flesh hates, and the flesh loves things the Spirit hates. So guess what you have living inside you? You have a war inside you. Exactly. You have the flesh lusting against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You cannot do perfectly the things that you should, and you cannot do perfectly the things that you'd like to in the flesh, because the Holy Spirit won't let you, because you've got them both lusting against each other inside you. Galatians chapter 5 tells us that. The Holy Spirit is able to make a hedge of thorns and keep you from sin. The Holy Spirit is able to make a hedge of thorns and keep the devil from you. And your flesh tries to make a hedge of thorns and keep you from the Spirit of God. You're going to walk out of here today, and, and the devil and your flesh and the world are in a conspiracy. I do believe in a conspiracy, and I believe it ought to be preached against. And I believe it ought to be preached against in the pulpit but it doesn't get any help from the Rockefellers, Rothschilds, or anyone else because they're too dumb to even know about this conspiracy. The conspiracy is the world, the devil, and your flesh. Amen. And those three work together like a team, like a well-oiled machine. That's right. They hate the Spirit of God. When you walk out of these doors, or even now while you're sitting there, you're going to be thinking about things that you shouldn't, that aren't enabling you to believe this and to put it into practice in your life. You're going to walk out of here and be distracted from it. And the Lord's going to have striven with you one more time. My spirit shall not always strive with man. He doesn't owe you to be chasing you for the rest of your life. He's loving enough to have chased you once, twice, and maybe three times. Me, 10,000, I think. Just round it off in Bible numbers but I know one thing. He does not owe me that at all. Right. He does not owe me that to come after me by His Spirit. John chapter 7 tells us how you get the Spirit. I'm so thankful that the Bible puts things in parentheses sometimes that help our understanding. John 7 verse 39, this spake he of the Spirit, John seven thirty nine: this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive. So the Bible tells us plainly, that the condition for obtaining the Holy Spirit in your life, in the living water sense, in the comforting sense, in the empowering sense, in the shedding abroad the love of Christ sense, is by believing. What do we believe? We believe the gospel record that God sent His Son into this world to lay down His life for sinners. He was Killed on a Roman cross, buried, rose again the third day, ascended into heaven, and sits there as the Lord of the universe. We believe the record that God has given us of His Son. That's the first thing we do. Then we repent and get baptized of our sins because it's the Holy Spirit of repentance. That's what the Holy Spirit gives men. And we obey the gospel. Did you see the verse, Acts 5.32, that we looked at in the first assembly that said, The Holy Ghost which is given to them that obey Him where Peter and the other apostles were confronting the Jewish religious leadership, you don't have the Spirit, we do, because we obey Him. Hard language when you're talking to PhDs and THDs in religion and philosophy in Jerusalem. But Peter let it go because Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, 13. In whom ye also trusted. Speaking of Christ. In whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. That is the good news of your salvation. When you heard it. You trusted it. In whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When were you sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? After that ye believed. Now you got the Holy Spirit before you believed in the way of regeneration. he had to. We had to be born of the Spirit before we would have a spiritual new man to believe. But after we believe, we are then given the personal, comforting, sealing, earnest of His personal presence. You don't even know what His presence is before you're born again. And before you believe the Gospel, you don't know what's going on inside you. You're born again with the power of the Spirit of God by being regenerated. Then you hear the Gospel. You believe it. And after you believe and obey the record God gave of His Son, He gives you the personal presence of Himself and His Son Jesus Christ by way of the Spirit. That is the Bible order. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, under the praise of his glory. It took the power of God to regenerate you to ever want to believe the gospel, and then after you believe the gospel, you get the personal part. I hope everybody understood it enough. You know, Ephesians 1 and 2 says, And and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Who quickens you? The Holy Spirit of God does. What's it it called? The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You're born again by almighty power operating above and over you and changing you and giving you a new man. Then that new man hears the gospel preached. The good news of your salvation. And it trusts the Lord Jesus Christ, it believes on him, and after you believe and obey and get baptized, you get the Holy Spirit. You say, Well, it doesn't mention baptism here. Does it have to? Or does it assume that you've read the book of Acts by the time you get to the book of Ephesians? Doesn't, it, doesn't the Lord have it in order for you? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you've read Acts chapter 2, then you know that baptism is part of believing. You know, I've had people ask me, and I, you know, I'm sorry to have to pick on infant sprinkling, but it's not taught in the Bible. There's believer's baptism taught in the Bible. But I've had people say to me, I just don't have any spiritual power in my life. You know who I'm talking about? I don't have any spiritual power in my life. I don't have any joy as a Christian. I'd say, well, you've never been baptized, so how can you have the Spirit of God in your life? Oh. Because if you're, if the Bible's true, and the gift of the Holy Ghost comes upon baptism, then it better be Bible baptism. Right? Let's, let me take a little, chase a little trail. I won't, I won't take longer with the trail. In the book of Ephesians, does it mention the Spirit in the first chapter? Where? Help me. Oh, I just read it. Yep. The earnest of our inheritance. The of our inheritance. Sealed, by the Holy of Sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Yes. There in verses 13 and 14. Then in verse... 17, the spirit of wisdom. Yes. From last Sunday, I hope. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Him. Okay, how about chapter 2? By name... I, this is an easy quiz. This is open book. <laughs> this is open book and the words on the page. Chapter 2. Where's the Spirit mentioned? 22. Where else? 18. 18. Oh, 18. 18? What does 18 have to say? That you dumb Gentiles that were once worshiping stones and trees. Through Him, you have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Do you know how you, do you know how we get to the Father in our praying? Sometimes do you wonder if your prayers are being heard outside the paint on your ceiling? You should. Through Him, that is through the Lord Jesus Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Gentiles have as much right and as much access into the throne room of God to address God the Father as the Jews did, but they both get there through one vehicle. Do you know what the vehicle is? The Holy Spirit of God. This is praying in the Holy Ghost. You better be walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit, but stirring up the Spirit, asking for the Spirit, submitting to the Spirit's will when you pray, and if you do... You have access to Almighty God. Did you read John 16? I'm going to ask it for the second time. Did you read last night in John 16 that Jesus said, I will no longer pray for you? I'm paraphrasing without turning there. You do not need me to pray for you any longer. All you have to do is pray in my name because my Father loveth you like he loveth me. You can go directly to him. But how do we go to him? By the Spirit of God. The Spirit prays for us according to the will of God. The Spirit prays for us with groanings and utterings which which we cannot make. Romans 8, 26 and 27 tell us that. I love Ephesians 2, 18. We blow over it because it's church doctrine. It's kingdom doctrine. We race down through from verse 10 to verse 22 because it's describing God breaking down the division between Jews and Gentiles and putting them all into one body. You know, we were we were totally cut out. Right. For 2,000 years. We were Gentile dogs. Amen. Remember when a Gentile came to Jesus one time? A woman. She had a son grievously tormented with the devil. And she came to ask Jesus for help. And Jesus said, is it right to give the children's bread to dogs? Right. Amen. Wow. What kind of a pulpit manner was that? Amen. But it was good, wasn't it? Yes. Did she hang in there? Yes. Right. Did she, ha- did she hang in there? What did the disciples say to her? It was great. She stood there. She, she hung in there. She said, yea, Lord. But the dogs eat of their master's crumbs. Yeah. Can I get a crumb from you? If you were to pray that way, you'll get more than a crumb. Amen. Yeah. You'll get a loaf from a real bread store. Amen. Chapter 3. You read the Bible looking for the Spirit. I'm taking this little side trip for a reason. I want you to read the Bible looking for the Spirit of God. I want you to be thinking about that when you read it. Verse 16. Verse 16. Is that that passage where by the, by the power of the Spirit of God, He can strengthen you in your inner man to know the full dimensions of Christ's love until you're filled with all the fullness of God? Is that in this epistle too? It's right there. Ephesians 3 5. Yes. Prophets of the Spirit. Apostles and prophets. Is he mentioned in verse 20 without being named? Yes. Is he there? Yes. According to the power that worketh in us, what power do you have working in you? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. How about chapter 4? The unity of the Spirit. In verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You want to pray in the Holy Ghost and you want to walk in the Holy Ghost? Then you're always making peace. You are a peacemaker. That does not mean we compromise doctrine or holiness. But every time that there is some personal offense against you that bothers you, irritates you, we make peace. And especially in the church, endeavoring to maintain the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit loves peace. He's the Spirit of peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace. Joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Any any other reference in chapter four? Twenty three. Twenty-three. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind? Who does that? The Holy Spirit of God. Any others? Thirty. May I take a moment on verse thirty? I did two eighteen. Let me take a moment on thirty and help you read your Bibles. I start at 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Is that, right. is that pretty plain? Corrupt. Anything bad. Anything spoiled. Anything inappropriate. Not fit for use. Not fit for the good manners of a Christian. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers let your speech be gracious that helps build people up at all times and grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption Amen. have we been taught that already in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1 that we are sealed unto the day of redemption of our purchased possession? Here it is repeated. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Let's go on and read 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Was the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, running along giving miscellaneous duties to Christians at the church at Ephesus when he said, no bad speech, verse 29, don't grieve the Spirit of God on a totally different subject, verse 30, and then back to no bad speech in verse 31? You want to know what the don't grieve the Spirit of God is right here? It's speech. It's speech. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Do we let things fly out of our lips sometimes? Do you know that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? It's as if we had a temple. God the Holy Spirit is in it. We set up loudspeakers outside and we blast off with some word the Holy Spirit would never say. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Foolish talking. Foolish jesting. Filthiness, anger, mean words, sarcastic words, bad words, angry words, foolish words, idle words. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Are you gripped by the context? Then you wonder why you're not walking in the Spirit? Do you have a quick mouth? Do you shoot off to your husband? Do you shoot off about your husband? Do you children go in your bedroom and say things about your parents that you shouldn't? Do you curse the king in your bedchamber? Oh, does that mention the Bible too? Amen. Is it all there? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Some of you that don't say anything, I wish I could jump into your body right now. You know, sometimes I, I rail on you a little bit because we need to open our mouths and, and say the things that God wants us to say, but all oh, to be saved from saying the things that we shouldn't say. Let no corrupt communication. They ever tee you off at work? (laughs) Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, brother. I'm not picking on him alone. I'm just being merciful to you. But that which is good to the use of edifying. Only let words come out that build other people up. That's what the word edifying means. We have an edifice it's a building. When we edify someone we're building them up let the words build other people up that it may minister grace to those that hear us speak look where that verse is located and grieve not the holy spirit of god for everyone else in here that has a quick mouth that you talk quickly that you talk intensely that you're that you're very emotional that you're passionate about what you do and you're passionate about what you say look at the context let it cause you to put a guard on your lips And lock your tongue down. Because that's how you grieve the Spirit of God. And you've been wondering, I haven't rubbed Buddha's belly. I haven't been praying to St. Mary. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't been drunk in two weeks. I haven't done these things. I wonder why I'm not full of the Spirit. Corrupt communication. All evil speaking. All clamor. Noisiness. Blasting off about. Let it always be edifying to minister grace to the hearers. I look through this assembly and I know that there's more than just me in here. I've quoted Ephesians 4.30 since I was ordained a thousand times. But I give you the context today. I give you the context. Is the Spirit in chapter 5? Verse 9. Thank you, Joshua. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Is that the only place? 18. The one we want to know. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Is it a choice to get drunk? It's a choice to drink too much. So we're told don't make the choice of getting drunk because drunkenness is a sin. But there's a second choice we're to make. Be filled with the Spirit. Can you fill yourself with the Spirit? No. But can you make yourself available to be filled by God? Yes. By confessing your sins, choosing the Spirit's lifestyle, praying in the Spirit, asking for the Spirit, submitting to the Spirit, and showing the Spirit you love His Word, His Christ, and His people, He'll fill you with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. You can be great. You can be full of the Holy Ghost. How do we do that again? We confess our sins so that we're not grieving or quenching Him. We walk in the lifestyle of the Spirit. It's taught in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and it says there's no limit on these things. Go for it. What are those things? Love Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You can have as much as you want of those things in your life. That is why that little statement is there. That is the lifestyle of the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit by having your sins confessed. You ask for the Spirit. Your sins are confessed. You're living a holy life. You're not grieving or quenching Him. He will. God will fill you. God will fill you. When you've tried it, you know that I'm telling you the truth. When you're in the flesh, you also know I'm telling you the truth. Because you have a lean soul and you wish you could have the joy back. Like David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and heal the bones which thou hast broken. He didn't have literal bones broken. He was just all messed up inside because he'd been living in sin and hiding it for a while. And the Spirit of God was quenched in his life. His joy was gone. He, David wanted to hear gladness again. You rem- I can't go back to Psalm 51. I gave it to you two weeks ago. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Do you know what that is? Jesus is on a throne in heaven. What was he saying when he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock? He's sitting on a throne in heaven. He has a physical body. He's the man Christ Jesus. What was he saying? You can have spiritual fellowship with me by my spirit, which is called the spirit of Christ. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 6. The spirit of God. If you will humble yourself and admit, what did it take to that church? If you will admit you are naked, you are poor, and you are blind, and you're miserable, and you need me. That's what it takes. That's to be filled with the Spirit. I cannot do it myself. I am unhappy myself. I am miserable inside. I've been trusting myself. I think that I'm something special. Lord, I'm nothing. He'll fill you. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I can't pour it into you, or I would. God will pour it into you, if you will. Remember Jesus? If you knew who it was... That spoke with thee, you would ask, and I would give you living water. Yes. I'm only going to hit a couple points. Every sin grieves the Spirit of God. Every sin that is defined as a sin in the Bible grieves the Spirit of God so that He is offended with you and He withdraws His power from your life. His blessing of comfort, joy, peace, and hope, He takes it away. Any sin defined in the Bible If you commit, it quenches His power and light in your life. I've mentioned speech. I hope you will go home remembering Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 have a context. They create a context for the verse 30 in the middle that's about grieving the Spirit of God. I want to give you another one. I've mentioned it before. It's nothing new. Listen, if it's all new, I haven't done my job. Relationships. If you have relationships with your parents, your spouse your children, brethren in here, your neighbors or others, your boss, colleagues at work, if you do not maintain your relationships so that they match up with the Word of God, your prayers are going to be hindered. And the reason your prayers will be hindered is because the Spirit of God is grieved in your life. Just make the connection with me. A husband and a wife are not getting along as they should. They're not loving each other as they should. The wife's a little disrespectful. The husband's a little unloving and uncaring. Do you know what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7? That man's prayers will be hindered. The reason they're hindered is because the Holy Spirit of God is grieved and quenched. Because it is the Holy Spirit of God that makes all prayers effectual by praying for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and by praying according to the will of God. That's how it happens. Remember, John the Baptist came from his mother's womb full of the Holy Ghost. And his ministry, being full of the Holy Ghost... Stated to us in the very beginning, Malachi 4 by prophecy, Luke 1 by prophecy to Zechariah, his father. His ministry would be to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to their children. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If you're not prepared for the Lord in your relationships, the Spirit of God is grieved and quenched he will not comfort, your, comfort you, fill you, and empower you like he will others who keep their relationships right. I want to be a peacemaker. I want, I want to be at peace with everyone. I don't want there to be war or conflict. Because if I do, I grieve the Holy Spirit. And I lose my praying power, and I lose spirit power in my life. I give you relationships to think about. Let me give you another one. 1 Corinthians 6. What? 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 Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What is the sin under consideration? Fornication. Does it say, in body and spirit, we should glorify God because we're the temple of the Holy Ghost? It gets us on both counts. If you say, I'm not guilty of actual fornication in my body, I'm asking you, are you guilty of fornication in your spirit by fantasizing about it, reading about it, listening to it, watching it, thinking about it, or befriending those that are engaged in it? And the list is long. We could just keep right on going, describing how you could be guilty of fornication in your spirit. How can we increase the spirit of God? Did you know that Paul told Timothy? Stir up that good thing which is in you by the laying on of my hands. Stir it up. You say, what is it that was in Paul? Well, you want to hear the next verse? For God hath not given to us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the next verse. You can stir it up. How do you stir it up? He loves this. He loves this book. Do you know why we know he loves it? He authored it. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ because he says, He will glorify me. The more focused you become on the Lord Jesus Christ, the more in tune you are with the Spirit of God and you're stirring it up. Ask the Lord to stir it up. Get all the carnal worldly inputs out of your life. Make them spiritual inputs. That stirs up the Spirit. This man's serious. Let me tell you about a man that was serious. Go home and read Second Chronicles 33. Jonathan Appy would be a good chapter to read with your dad tonight before you go to bed. 2 Chronicles, chapter 33, Asa, the king, had a great victory. After that, do you know how many he took out? One million Ethiopians. He had a great victory. But then a, a prophet stood up and declared that they had better make, by the Spirit he declared this message, they had better make the things of the Lord the most important things in their nation. Asa heard that message, and you ought to read about the revival that took place led by preaching of the Word of God, led by a man that heard it and said, I'm going to do something about it. He tore down all the idols. He cleaned up the land. He got the whole nation together in one place and made them make a covenant that anybody that wouldn't seek the Lord their God would be killed. Then he took his mother, whose name was Maica, because she had a false god, and he demoted her from being queen. There was no more queen mother. He demoted her. You can read about it all in Second Chronicles 33. That's stirring up the Spirit. Spirit gives the message. You hear it. I'm going to do something about it. And listen, as you do something about it, the comforting strength of the Holy Spirit gives you greater because you're getting filled. You're getting, and I'm not, listen, this is no Benny Hinn crusade. I don't have KFC buckets that we're going to pass in a minute for your dollars and pennies. I'm not going to breathe on you and slay you in the Spirit. And I'm not going to start rolling on the floor, barking like a dog, pretending that I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But when I say you're getting filled with the Spirit, I'm talking about it in Bible terminology. Right. Because you heard the Word of God and you did something about it. You're stirring it up inside you. Oh, Asa got serious. you know what it says about that? You want to save your children? Israel had, 10, Israel had 12 tribes. 12 tribes. Two were over here that were good, Judah and Benjamin. Ten were over here that were bad and wicked. The prophet speaks to Asa, king of the good two tribes, king of Judah. He gets serious and does what I just told you. Do you know what it says? Many strangers fell to him out of those ten tribes. They gave up their tribal inheritances to move from Ephraim, Manasseh, Simeon, Dan, Naphtali, and the others to join Judah in that revival. Amazing things can happen when you get right with God and are full of the Holy Spirit. It should be the most important ambition in your life. I hope I've said it plainly enough. It's not difficult. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means that you're walking in the Spirit with your sins confessed, loving the things of the Spirit, including the Word of God, the people of the Holy Spirit, the Christ of the Holy Spirit. And so you pray, trusting the Holy Spirit to pray for you according to the will of God. And you do the best you can in the name of Jesus. It's not difficult. There's there's no mystery about it. It's not facing the east at midnight with goat hair on a table nearby. It's nothing like that. It's living a holy life. That's praying in the Holy Ghost. Living a holy life with your sins confessed, full of the Spirit, with guarding your relationships, having confessed your sins of speech, hating fornication in the world. Your prayers will be heard. That's praying in the Holy Ghost. It's in Ephesians 6. It's in the book of Jude. It tells us to pray that way. Because it is by one Spirit that we have access unto the Father. And if you're not praying in the Holy Spirit, meaning that you're walking in His lifestyle, your sins are confessed, you're full of Him, you're not grieving or quenching Him, if you don't do that, then the way of access to the Father is closed to you. My hand is not shortened. My ear is not stopped up. It is your sins that are hindering our relationship. I am ready and willing and able to do anything for you in the name of my son Jesus Christ, but don't you grieve my Holy Spirit or quench his power. When did you last ask for the Holy Spirit? When did you last ask for the Holy Spirit for your spouse? When did you last ask for the Holy Spirit for each of your children? And when did you ask for that Holy Spirit? By praying in the Holy Ghost, while walking in the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Spirit. I present to you from the Word of God Christianity at its best. Anything less stinks. Amen. This is the Word of the Lord. It will save you, your marriages, your families, our church. May God the Holy Spirit. Bless the preaching of his holy word to the prophet of his holy saints for the greater glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom he bears witness and testifies. May Jesus Christ be praised. Thank you, blessed God, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.